Good morning, Covenant Network, and happy Wednesday to you. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on our airwaves this morning at 7 a.m. It is Wednesday, February 16th. We've got a lot to get to today. Um, just, in, in, you know, I was looking over the, the forecast, and I know we want to get to that because I am, I'm going to need a pen and paper to take notes I'll tell you that. That that much is certain. I'm going to need a pen and paper to take notes of what the weather will be. But today on the show, well, before we get to that, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today on the show, we are going to hear from Father Wade Menezes about the power of the tongue, the power of words, um, and something that he and I have been emailing back and forth about. I'm, I'm very excited to bring you this conversation and I think it's an important one for us to have. Uh, many of us have trouble sometimes minding our language. But, you know, more on that later with Father Wade. Also on the show today, we're going to hear a wonderful homily from Monsignor Morris on Septuagesima. Now, for those of you that have heard perhaps of Septuagesima, Sexagesima, uh, Quinquagesima, all of these Sundays, but you say, I don't, I don't know what those are. Uh, Perhaps you're not familiar with the older form of the Mass. That's all right. Uh, in the older form of the Mass, as you heard on the Roadmap Roundup last Friday, they're already getting ready for Lent, and that's manifested itself in a few ways. Uh, this past Saturday, the 12th, they buried the Alleluia, and they will keep it uh, locked away, shall we say, for the duration of the season of Lent, and then it will come out at the Easter Vigil, and what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is, uh, they've already switched to purple vestments. I liken it to almost a, a spiritual spring training. Now, sadly, I, I read last night that there will be no baseball spring training tomorrow. Um, I'm sure the athletes are all training on their own, um, but there's something about coming together as a team that is both good and edifying. And, well, you know, I'm not going to go into that because I'll go down a rabbit hole there that we, we don't need to go down. But uh, spring training, and so in the older form of the Mass, we'd have kind of the spring training for Lent, this training season before Lent actually begins, known as the Jesima Sundays. And those terms, uh, Septuagesima, Sexagesima, Quinquagesima, they all stand for 70 days before Lent, 60 days before Lent, or not before Lent, 70 days before Easter, 60 days before Easter, 50 days before Easter. And then we know on Ash Wednesday, we are, what, 40 days out. So it's, it's quite the beautiful thing. So we've got a reflection from Monsignor on that for you today. It's a weird morning and uh, just, you know, a great reminder for me this morning about wants versus needs. I was running a little bit behind this morning, getting out of the house a little later than I would have preferred. And I'm going to put my contacts in and my right eye. You ever have one of those days you go to put your contact in and the lens just doesn't want to cooperate? First it folds or maybe it turns inside out or it doesn't sit on the eye right. And I said, you know, if I fuss with this, I will not get to work in time to do everything I need to do to go on the air at 7 a.m. And, and be with our listeners. 
I have a pair of glasses sitting right there. They work perfectly well. They're wonderful. They allow me to see. Without them, everything's fuzzy. With them, everything's clear. In the glasses case, you know, so, well, maybe they're smudged. In the glasses case, I keep a bottle of spritz cleaner for glasses and a microfiber cloth for that very purpose. No excuse not to wear the glasses. And yet, I found myself standing at the bathroom counter wanting to say, no, I'm just going to, it'll be okay to be late. It'll be okay to, to, to have to rush and this and that. For the sake of wearing contacts, which the glasses do the exact same thing, it's just at this point a matter of aesthetics. Does Adam look better in contacts or does Adam look better in glasses? And so in this debate, I'm losing sight of it doesn't really matter what Adam looks like so long as he is getting the appropriate work accomplished. And because I'm standing here at the bathroom mirror debating about whether I have time to put a contact lens in versus just throwing on my glasses and doing what I need to do, I, you know, I could have been in really bad position arriving here to the studio to do the show for you this morning, all over something related to how I look, you know, something that at the end of the day doesn't even matter. You can't see me right now. This is radio. And after the show, I, I live close by. I could always go home and put my contacts in if I really wanted to. And yet how often do you and I get distracted by things like that? That we get so worked up about details that in the grand scheme of things do not matter for what we are trying to do. The essential thing this morning is that I need to see. I had two ways of doing that. One or another. Six one way, half dozen the other. And yet I worried about the how more than the that it needs to be done. Right? So this is why I love, you know, we, we encourage this prayer discipline of everyday, Angelus, rosary, morning prayer, prayer before and after meals, chaplet of divine mercy, taking time for mental prayer. Uh, if you're able to get to mass, wonderful, you know. We encourage that because let's not get hung up in the details about, well, maybe today I'll pray this and tomorrow I'll pray that. But no, we need to pray. So let's just keep it simple. Let's keep a game plan. Let's move forward. As I mentioned before, there is a lot in the weather that we want to uh, hear about today. So let's go now to Mike Roberts for that forecast. We begin with a flood watch. It goes into effect this evening, last through Thursday afternoon, one to two inches of rain, the heaviest which will come after midnight through early afternoon tomorrow, will make flooding a real possibility. Today, not much rain at all during the day, maybe a stray shower this afternoon. It will be very windy. Winds out of the south at 15 to 30, but gusting to near 40 miles an hour, taking us to a high of 62 degrees. Scattered showers this evening, becoming a little more steady around midnight than after midnight. Showers, storms, heavy rain, and we'll wake up to temperatures at sunrise around 47 to 48 degrees or so. Thursday in the morning, showers, thunderstorms, and heavy rainfall. But this changes over to a mix of rain, freezing rain, including thunderstorms, and then snow tomorrow in the afternoon. After 3 o'clock through 6 or 7 o'clock, this is snow, and we could see an inch of snow, in some cases two, to the north of us before it winds down in the early afternoon. So tomorrow in the morning, showers, thunderstorms, heavy rainfall, temperatures at sunrise in the upper 40s falling into the upper 30s at noon. 
Then tomorrow in the afternoon, thunderstorms, but thunderstorms that will produce a mixture of freezing rain and rain changing over to snow late in the afternoon, and we'll end up with an inch to, in some cases, two inches of snowfall and temperatures in the upper 20s by 6 p.m. Today is the feast day of St. Juliana, who was a martyr born near the beginning of the 4th century in what is now Turkey, When she was still a young lady, she converted to Christianity, an act that enraged her father, Africanus, who realized his daughter's conversion put his career as a Roman bureaucrat in serious jeopardy. Her conversion was also extremely dangerous because this was during the reign of the Roman emperor Diocletian. Against her will, Juliana's father promised her in marriage to a Roman senator named Elysius, but she refused to marry him. In response, both men had Juliana arrested for being a Christian. She was imprisoned and brutally tortured. There were reports that she was seen fighting Satan and throwing him to the ground. Finally, she was sentenced to death, burned at the stake, then thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. St. Juliana, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and we're happy to have Father Wade Menezes back with us. It's been a while, Father. I know you had some things with the order that happened in the life of an order. We're glad to have you back. Well, thank you so much. We had our general chapter, which is held only once every six years, which includes the election of officers, and it was great having all the black robes home for that whole week uh, in early January. And so now we're up and running, and praise God, uh, COVID restrictions seem to be lifting, so we've had very few cancellations of our parish missions, retreats, and devotions that we go on location to preach, and so we thank the good Lord for that as well. I, I only imagine that it was like a family reunion when the, the entire order comes back together. Everybody's getting together, and it's a wonderful thing. It sure is, yes. Well, Father, on Monday, you know, it was Valentine's Day, and we were talking about a lot of themes related to love. We had Dr. Ray Garendi, who we can also, you know, you can hear Father Wade on EWTN Radio and here on Covenant Network on Tuesdays on Open Line at 2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we hear Dr. Ray every day at noon. And one of the things Dr. Ray said, Father, was that I need to make sure I'm treating my wife better than everyone else in my life. And I said, well, Ray, I think that means I'm going to have to tell everyone to brace themselves. I need to treat them worse to make sure, you know, I'm treating my wife the best. And once that joke ended, we talked about, you know, the, the reality is to elevate our love for our wives and not use it as an excuse to treat everyone else worse. But the reality is Sometimes we're not careful with how we treat other people, especially in our words and what we say to them. And that's what brings you here to the show today to talk about the, the power of the tongue and why we have to be watchful of what we say. That's exactly right, Adam. The power of the tongue, the power of words used, etc. You know, and this is whether with a spouse, as you just intimated in your discussion with, with Dr. Ray, uh, with family, with friends. How about while at work with coworkers? How about while conducting business with business partners that you only may see once or twice? maybe at a dinner meeting or something, uh, as opposed to those coworkers you see every day. How about uh, when recreating or partaking in a leisure activity with others? How about that? We need to still watch our tongue, right? Uh, how about in our cyber relationships, like when adding comment to an internet news story? You know, comments can be very cutting, snide, uh, derogatory, mocking. 
insulting, disparaging, and even contemptuous. And, and that's, you know, on the printed page or the cyber printed page, let alone in person. So, you know, this is a very apropos topic, uh, Adam, and I want to invite, thank you for inviting me to speak about it, especially when Lent is just two weeks away. You know, we want to take on stuff for Lent and practice good things for Lent, all to advance in virtue and virtuous living, as number 1803 of the Catechism teaches so beautifully, uh, that virtue and virtuous living is, is pursuance of the true and the good and the beautiful in concrete daily actions. And part of our concrete daily actions involves the spoken word. It involves the tongue, the power of the tongue, the power of speech. You know, it's, it's not by accident that the book of James chapter 3 verse 6 says, the tongue also is a fire. It can be a world of evil among the parts of the body. It can corrupt the whole body and can set the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell if not watched. You know, that's that's pretty powerful, right? Then, you know, there's Proverbs 18.21, there's Proverbs 13.3. There's a whole host of Proverbs on the power of speech and the tongue uh, that can be found easily enough by just searching that on, on a web engine. Um, how about the speech and the power of tongue of the tongue being uh, against uh, truth and everything about truth? You know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph numbers 2475 through 2487, uh, are all encapsulated under a heading titled Offenses Against Truth. That's where we get things like detraction and calumny and, and slander and the like, right? Which can then in, intimate such things as gossip and reviling through speech. So, you know, these things, you know, are, are very important in regards to the power of the tongue. And it's just a, a fantastic, fantastic theme as we approach Lent. And then there's also James 1, uh, verses 19 and 26. Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For if a man who does not control his tongue imagines that he is devout, he is self-deceived, and his worship overall is pointless. How about that for a wake-up call? You know, I can go kneel in the pew on the kneeler, hands folded, and look like a saint. But if my tongue is not being watched, and I can be very rude with the tongue and everything else that, that can go with that, um, th that worship is pointless, sacred scripture says. So, so this is a great area to be looking at as we approach Lent, huh? Indeed. You know, I, I think immediately when we first talked about this topic, we go to the Ten Commandments and that great Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. So we think about with our words, we shouldn't lie. But it's not enough to say, well, I'm, I'm just speaking the truth, Father, and, and it doesn't matter how I say it. You know, if someone posts something errant online and I comment to say that there is a fallacy in what they're saying, it doesn't matter if I'm very mean about it. But what you're saying is, no, what, how we say what we say matters very much. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've made two categories, negatives in speech and positives in speech. Are, are you ready for this? Let's go. Are, are, are you are you seated right now in uh, your studio? I, in, I am, St. but Louis? I have a okay. feeling by the time you're done, I'm going to be standing up. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if that chair you're in has a seatbelt, you might want to put that seatbelt on. <laughs> so first of all, the negatives in speech. Okay, here we go. There's anger in speech, rash judgment in speech, bad moods and bad tones in speech, profanity in speech obscenity in speech, complaints in speech, 
gossip in speech, dirty jokes and unkind witticisms in speech. There can be self-prideful praise in speech, murmuring whispers, nods, and signs in speech, and being argumentative in speech. And that's just a category I came up with while doing a holy hour one day, you know, with my, with my writing pad in hand, trying to come up with stuff in preparation for a, another topic, either for you or for Open Line Tuesday or whatever. And then, and then here's the positives in speech, which are lesser in number, but they cover such a whole beautiful wide range. And so maybe it's appropriate that they're lesser in number, huh? Uh, there's charity in speech, humility in speech, honesty in speech, courtesy in speech. And lastly, Adam, to be quite honest, sometimes just a noble silence in speech. Sometimes we're called not to say anything, but just hear the person out. For example, in, an, in a case of an argumentation, not being so quick to self-defend. Let the other person say how it is they feel you offended them. Hear them out. Be there for them. And then give your side too, but first let them give their whole story through your own noble silence that's taking place while they're speaking. You know, Psalm 52 verses 5 and 6 says, You love evil more than good, lies more than the truth. You love the destructive word, O oh, you tongue of deceit. You know, that's, that's pretty powerful, right? St. Augustine says, There are men who rashly judge, men who slander, men who whisper and murmur, and who are eager to suspect things they do not even see, eager to spread abroad things they do not even have a suspicion of, and yet they do it anyway. Now, that's malicious. What Augustine is describing there is absolutely malicious. There are men who rashly judge, who slander. There are men who, are, who whisper and murmur, who are eager to suspect what they do not even see and eager to spread abroad things they do not even have a suspicion of, and yet they do it anyway. That's detraction. That's calumny. That's gossip. That's reviling. Huh? Uh, there's, a, there's a great, great passage of our Lord speaking to St. Faustina in St. Faustina's diary. Uh, for those of our listeners who might be taking notes through this podcast, um, either live or going back and listening to it after it's posted at Covenant Network's uh, website, Adam, it's paragraph number 1760 in Faustina's diary, 1760. He says to, our, to Faustina, this is our Lord speaking, my daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Never trust in yourself, but abandon yourself totally to my will. Always justify to yourself the opinions of your superiors and of your confessor. Shun murmurers like the plague. Let all act as they like, but you are to act as I want you to, according to my will. The main line there in that passage, 1760, Adam, is this. Shun murmurers like the plague. The definition of murmuring, murmuring and, and I say this just in a general sense, uh, a dictionary, simple dictionary definition is a subdued or private expression of discontent or dissatisfaction. Murmuring, but, but in a negative way, like behind the person's back. We all have a legitimate right to share with the other that we think something might be wrong, but it needs to be done charitably. It needs to be done in the right venue and in the right vein. We don't murmur behind the situation's back or behind the person's back, right? Uh, St. Faustina says this in number 690 of her diary, 690. It's, she's describing a scenario involving two other sisters in her community. She says, quote, 
On one occasion, I came to know of the condition of two religious sisters who were grumbling interiorly about an order that Mother Superior had just given to them both, and for this reason, God had withheld many special graces from them both. In other words, that he otherwise would have given them that day as actual graces. My heart ached at this sight. Oh, how sad it is, O oh Jesus, when we ourselves are the cause of the loss of so many graces throughout the day. Whoever understands this always strives to be faithful. It, it sounds a lot like, uh, you know, when you say shun murmuring like the plague, avoiding gossip, you know, which is yeah, what I that's think right. of. That's modern word for murmuring right there, friends, is the gossip we engage in daily. That's right. And, and she, she also says a little earlier on in the diary, in, in paragraph number 226, 226, she says, I will avoid sisters who grumble, and if they cannot be avoided, say because of a work duty or something, I will at least keep silent before them, not contributing, in other words, thus letting them know how sorry I am to hear such things from them. Uh, she goes on to say, now th th this is a beautiful beautiful wake-up call that that's given to us, Adam, as only Faustina can do it in the light of God's divine mercy. It's about receiving communion and the tongue. She says this, when I receive Jesus in Holy Communion, I ask him fervently to deign to heal my tongue so that I would offend neither God nor neighbor by it any longer. I want my tongue to praise God without cease. Oh, great are the faults committed by the tongue the soul will not attain sanctity if it does not keep watch over its tongue. Wow. In other words, the, the, the tongue, if, if I can use an imagery here, and this is me just in my own meditation, the tongue is a throne which receives our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, in his glory, in Holy Communion. The, the tongue is the throne that receives him. Um, whether one uh, receives properly by making a true Eucharistic throne with two open palms and then self-communicate with one of their hands, or whether one receives very fervently and reverently directly on the tongue, it doesn't matter. The fact is, the sacred host ends up on your tongue, whether you receive properly on, on the hand or whether you receive properly directly on the tongue. The tongue is the throne that receives the real presence of the consecrated host. And so what Faustina is saying here is very, very apropos. And again, overall, Adam, this is a great, great theme to be focused on now. Uh, two weeks before Lent, I was very pleased when you told me earlier that you would be airing it in mid-February, and so I'm very excited about that. Well, Father, I want to pause here for a quick break. We've talked about a lot, and I want to give our listeners a chance to catch up here. And then when we come back, I have a couple of questions for you about what that means practically for us in the season of Lent. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. We're talking with Father Wade Menezes about the power of the tongue. And Father, you, you laid out a lot for us before we went to the break about why our words matter so much. And honestly, it took me back to the reading we had very recently on uh, Sunday. It was uh, February 5th, and it was about Isaiah. And he says, Woe is me, I am doomed, for I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphim flew to me, holding an ember that he had taken with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, See now what this has touched your lips. 
your wickedness is removed, your sin purged. And I thought, wow. You know, as we've been talking about all of this, Father, do I have the desire that if God wanted to do to me what was done to Isaiah, that the seraphim would come with a hot coal and Mm. place it in my mouth to purge all of the unclean words? You know, would I say, all right, Lord, if that's what you want to do, then yes, because I, I, if for any other reason, Father, I don't want a hot coal anywhere near my mouth. <laughs> well, look at it this way. Our Lord in the new dispensation, the new covenant, his coming, uh, not to do away with the old covenant and the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, but to bring it to fruition, to fulfillment in, in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Um, he's made it so much easier through the establishment of the seven sacraments, especially confession, where we can confess with our own tongue, from our lips, from our mouth, those evils we have done, whether venially or mortally. So to answer your question, praise God, literally, not metaphorically, but praise God, Adam, that he's made it so much more easier for us, right? Um, You know, there's a great quote by St. Francis de Sales, doctor of the church, who I love dearly and have a particular devotion to because he's one of the patron saints of journalists and communicators. He says, remain in peace regarding whatever is said or done in your conversations. Why? Because if it is good, you have something for which to praise God. And if it is bad, you have something in which to serve God by turning your heart away from it and giving it to him in sorrow. In other words, that you said the bad thing in conversation uh, in whatever way, in whatever manner, in whatever fashion, you can still give it back to him with sorrow. And if it was good that was propagated in the conversation by you, then you have something as a gift in which to give God. So for those things that we fail in, in speech, we can still confess those things by the same mode, that is, speech, quote-end-quote. We can still confess those things that we did badly in speech, confess it in the same mode in speech in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. And I I can't stress enough, Adam, with what I opened up with uh, in this segment on the power of the tongue for good or ill. uh, I'm talking with spouses. I'm talking with family. I'm talking with friends. I'm talking with coworkers that you see on a continuum. I'm talking about with business partners that you may only see once or twice. Um, I'm talking about when recreating or partaking in leisure activity with others. I'm talking about cyber relationships on different platforms. Uh, you know, I'm talking about things that can be cutting or snide or derogatory or mocking or insulting or disparaging or contemptuous or simply taken out of context. And so we want to be able to focus on this area during Lent, I would recommend. You know how you, you, we've heard, we've all heard in the spiritual life, Adam, and, and I'm going to ask you this question. We've, we've all heard of the, of the simple phrase, custody of the eyes in the moral life, right? Custody of the eyes. Right, right. Um, how about custody of the tongue? How about custody of speech? So, for example, if one makes a morning offering in the morning and they pray during that morning offering, which should be a staple, the morning offering in and of itself should be a staple practice in any seriously committed Catholic Christian spiritual life. When you get up in the morning and you make your morning offering, and let's say one of the elements of your morning offering that you literally mention is custody of the eyes for that day. How about throughout Lent? including custody of speech or custody of the tongue. So that's just one simple way that we can focus on this area of the power of the tongue for good or ill um, in our spiritual life. And maybe not the blanket spiritual life from now till the day we pass, but at least for this 
four and a half, five week period of Lent now that we're about to embark upon. Well, that's that was actually going to be my next question because I am, don't get me wrong, Father, I am very grateful that our Lord instituted the sacraments, including the sacrament of reconciliation, because as a human being, you know, I sin, I, I try not to, uh, but I am not perfect. And so the reality is I end up in that confessional and I, I make those uh, friends. Again, going into the season of Lent, I can't stress the, the devotional confession on a regular interval as well. Amen. Um, it, it is part of what helps me avoid greater sins. But I want to ask God for the grace to get this right the first time. Now, again, if this falls on Adam Wright to always have custody of the tongue, Father, I'm going to fail miserably on my own, but with God's grace working in my life, I, I have a much better chance of being able to do this. So as we go into these, the, as we go into the season of Lent, you know, we think about I'm going to give this up or I'm going to add this prayer to my routine, a great example you just gave with the morning offering. Uh, I'm going to do my almsgiving. What are some of the practical things we should be doing each and every day during the season of Lent to maintain that custody of our tongue? Well, again, beginning with the morning offering, include the custody of speech, the custody of the tongue in your daily prayer, especially your morning prayer, huh? Um, also, I would look at those lives of the saints with a, a short daily reader of the lives of the saints. One that comes to mind is Bert Gezi's Voices of the Saints. It's a 365-day reader um, where each saint's life is just a page to a page and a half long. And I love the breakdown of contents he has in the back by category. So... Uh, he has saints by profession, canonized saints by their profession, by their state in life, whether they were single, married, or religious. Uh, saints by their temperament, uh, you know, whether choleric or whether melancholic or whether sanguine or, or phlegmatic. Pay attention to those saints that have the same state in life as you and or the same temperament as you, right? So we benefit from reading the life of any saint, don't get me wrong. I benefit, for example, as a priest, from reading the lives of, of, of saints who were wives and mothers, like St. Gianna, Gianna Beretta Mola, a great female saint, wife and mother who died seven days after giving birth to her fourth and last child because of her cancer, her cancerous tumor. But I've learned so much from her just reading about her. So we benefit from reading the life of any saint. All I'm saying is pay particular attention to those saints who had the same state in life as you, who had the same temperament as you. Why? Because they lived in the modern world of their time, just as you live in the modern world of, of your time. And if they did it, that is, became a great saint, then you can do it also. Uh, read the section in the Catechism on offenses against the truth, where such things as detraction and calumny and slander and gossip are all talked about. That's important. And oaths, the importance of oaths, um, you know, whether being questioned in your baptismal rite at the renewal at the Easter vigil, or whether questioned by a judge if you're called in for jury duty. You know, Adam, there's a great quote from St. Paulinus. He says, regarding the beauty of truth when spoken from the mouth, from the tongue, he says, quote, Our love for truth must be so very great, so great, in fact, that all our words must possess the value of oaths given in court. In other words, we must have such a great love for the truth, he says, that our words will take on literally the character of oaths in court. And that's pretty powerful. That's not only the the importance of truth per se, but it's also says something important about from whence that truth per se comes from, and that is from the tongue. So again, the lives of the saints, the catechism, including 
the reality of the custody of the tongue in your daily prayer and the, and the custody of speech in your daily prayer, just as you would with uh, custody of, of the eyes. Um, how about fostering holy friendships, giving compliments, a sincere compliments, not sinful flatteries, but a sincere compliment give to somebody. That's a beauty of speech. So focus on things that are beautiful in speech coming out of your own speech, out of your own mouth, out of from your own tongue. So giving a sincere compliment where it's due. Uh, a simple phrase like, can I help you with that? That's from speech, right? And yet you're offering an action in the process of it all. May I help you with that? Maybe you're exiting the grocery store at the same time an elderly person is, and they're having trouble carrying their two bags. And you've got your cart behind them because you've got more bags. They don't have a cart, but you do. Say, may I help you with that one bag? Can I help you with your bags? I'm walking out the same way you're walking out. And then offer to put their two bags in your cart and follow them out to their vehicle. So a simple phrase like, can I help you with that? Or a simple compliment. These are all ways, Adam, that we can make our um, uh, speech much more sincere and humble throughout the day. And when we go to confession, you know what St. Philip Neri says? When you go to confession, if you have any mortal sins, confess those most hideous and wicked mortal sins up front at the beginning of the confession. Why, he says? Because it throws the devil into confusion. That's why. Oh, I love St. Philip, and I love that quote. Well, you know why? Because the most hideous and wicked mortal sins, or even the most hideous and wicked venial sin, we tend to confess it at the end of the confession, or we freeze out or chicken out, and we don't confess it at all. And it might lead to an invalid confession, especially with mortal sin, because we purposely withheld it. It will invalidate the confession, in fact, if it's purposely withheld. So, so there's mitigating circumstances there with fear and whatnot. But the fact is, uh, we e- either don't confess it at all, or we wait till the end. St. Philip Neri says no. Confess the most hideous and wicked sins, especially the mortal sins, up front at the beginning of the confession, right after the priest greets you. Why? Because it throws the devil into confusion. How awesome is that? It's, I love it. I love it. Father, you know, I want to ask you about one last thing here because we're running out of time. I once had it described to me as the thumper rule. For those of you that as a child watched the, the movie Bambi, there was the little rabbit who said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And it's very counterintuitive to the times we live in because it seems to be that if you don't have a response to something immediately, then something's wrong with you. You don't have anything to say. And Father, I can only imagine that is really a bad, bad thing for us to subscribe to, to say, I have to come up with something, even if it's you know, uh, a cutting remark or something. I have to respond to this unjust word that was spoken against me, that we might need to say, hold on, Adam, Stop and think about what you're about to say and whether or not that really needs to be said. That's exactly right. You know, the, the, the five areas of positives in speech that I gave earlier, uh, charity in speech, humility in speech, honesty in speech, courtesy in speech. What was the fifth and final one? A noble silence in speech. So I reiterate the importance of that noble silence. Even if you feel justified that you have a right to defend yourself, that's fine. But hear the person out first in noble silence. It will calm you down in the process, and you'll be able to provide an argument in the truest sense of the word, meaning defense. You'll be able to provide an argument. This is if you feel truly justified in what it is you have to say, and you may well feel that way. You have a right to express it. But do it in a calm, loving manner. That's important. And a lot of times that calm, loving manner needs to be preceded by a noble silence in speech. Wonderful. Father Wade, these have been great tips, and I'm always grateful for uh, the insight you bring to us here on the show. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? 
Absolutely, Adam. May the blessing of Almighty God bless each and every one of us, single, married, and consecrated religious priests, brothers, and sisters, in our daily speech, our daily talk, uh, to help us uh, and give us custody of the tongue in those things that lead to virtue and virtuous speech and virtue and virtuous living. And we ask for the heavenly intercession of the saints, especially those saints who shared the same state in life as each one of us listening right now. Again, singles, uh, marrieds, consecrated religious, diocesan priests, etc. Those saints especially guide us in this effort to please the Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our speech. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And I add St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. Pray for us. Father Wade, this has been wonderful, and I look forward to—we're actually going to have you back on the show, scheduled on Ash Wednesday morning to talk about Lent and the significance of that 40 days. And it's almost time, friends, so uh, think about what we talked about today, the power of words and custody of the tongue and of speech. And I'd also throw in there, start thinking about your Lenten penance, because if you're waiting till our next conversation on Ash Wednesday, dare I say you've waited too long, so start thinking about what you're going to do now. We've got a little bit more roadmap for you ahead. Stay tuned. Happy Wednesday, everyone. It's time for another daily dose of encouragement this week. Patty Schneier is bringing us some game changers for marriage. Patty, what do you have in store today? All right. Well, we're again, I want to reiterate every day this week, I'm talking about game changers that were influential in my own marriage, just sharing those with our listeners. Every couple has their own. So please keep that in mind. I'm talking about things that were very, very important decisions Today's game changer, this was huge in our marriage. It was the decision to start praying together as a couple. And when I say that, I mean not just grace before meals, not just rote prayers. This was praying from the heart as we hold each other and join our hearts and souls before we ever join our bodies in the marital embrace. It is our own personal spousal creed. Listen to those words, spousal creed. Do you pray with your spouse? You say the same things. It becomes almost like a creed. It's from your heart, but it's the deepest desires of your heart for your marriage, for your spouse, for your union, for your family. Every couple, I can just tell you, I can only say that this is a game changer for you if you don't do this, because this prayer is the window to your soul when you pray together from the heart as a married couple. It's been one of the most beautiful aspects of our marriage. I can only just say, please try, even if it's just one or two sentences together, hold each other, embrace each other, hold hands, look in each other's eyes, and just pray together out loud from the heart. This is a true game changer for marriage. What a wonderful one it is, too. Patty, these have been great witnesses for us, and I want to thank you again today for this Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, we talked about a lot today, and, uh, you know, I want to, I, I just want to keep going, but we're going to run out of time here. So I do have a couple of announcements I want to share with you today. Um, remember that upcoming we've got, well, not we, but the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George in Alton, Illinois, have their Veni C. Amas retreat for uh, women ages 18 through 30, single women ages 18 through 30, 
who are discerning a potential call to the religious life. And it's basically a, a come and see retreat at the convent in Alton, Illinois. And for more information on that, you can go to altonfranciscans.org, uh, altonfranciscans.org slash events, or you can contact Sister Mary Carolyn at 618-463-2757. So that's coming up, and we want to keep that on your radar screen. I know uh, we, we have a few good friends that discerned with the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyrs, St. George, and uh, they're just so joyful in their life uh, with the sisters. Uh, but that doesn't mean just because they're joyful there, that doesn't mean that everyone's called to be there. But some are, right? So that's what discernment's all about. You know, I'm not here to say you're called to be there, you're not called to be there. I, I, I'm not here to discern for you. I just want to let you know about that discernment retreat. And I encourage all of you, if you're single today and you're still discerning your vocation, Take some time today and every day in prayer to ask God what he's calling you to. And for those of you like me, you know your vocation. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Well, how is God calling you to live your vocation today? That is uh, something we should pray about each and every day. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Once again, I'd like to thank Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy for being on the show with us today. I'd also like to thank Monsignor Morris for allowing us to share his homily with you. On Friday morning, we'll be back with you for a Roadmap Roundup. The original gang here in the studio, Dan Vonderhaar and Gabe Jones, will be joining me. So tune in for that as we... uh, wrap up some of our marriage week and do some more pre-Lenten preparation. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.